This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Well, tonight we are going to be finishing up and be looking at two uh, cities. Remember, if you're traveling with us, this uh, is the replacement for that cruise. And I have not heard if the ship, uh, the cruise has relaxed restrictions or not, but there was no way we were going to divide our tour while some were on that ship and while others were waiting for them in Athens. So uh, regardless, I'm just taking this from the Lord. And as I have been studying, these are two cities I've not been to, but as I was studying, uh, I got real excited about our opportunity uh, to see these places. And I can tell you with uh, certainty that what I've been sharing with you in these weeks, we've just scratched the surface. Okay? Uh, there, when you get there and you get the perspective, uh, Thessalonica is going to be a little bit more challenging because it's the second largest city in Greece and that metropolis they built right over the ruins. But they have been unearthing ruins. There are areas where we're going to be able to go. And you'll see some pictures tonight that, uh, and again, I, I just can't, can't wait uh, to get there. But uh, Thessalonica and then Berea, and you'll, I've put them in that order in our study because uh, we're introduced to these cities uh, in that order. Paul was ministering in Thessalonica, was forced out. Um, he, he walks just a mere 50 miles uh, east and ends up at Berea. Uh, I cannot imagine the miles that guy put on his feet. Does anybody remember when we started our study? Bible scholars estimate how, how many miles did he walk? They estimate when they do all the math about 10,000 miles. That's a lot. Okay. And so uh, let's start tonight with Thessalonica. Please note on the map, you'll recognize we've been to Athens, Ephesus, Corinth, and then Thessaloniki, all the way up. And so, um, Paul spent time on the sea. Uh, he, you know, spent time sailing to some of these places. Certainly, uh, it made more sense to do this. Uh, you, you'll remember that just north of here, here's where the seven churches of Revelation are at, but when it came to uh, ministry in these places, just a lot of foot travel. Okay? And so Thessalonica, Thessalonica, let's look at uh, the name and location. Thessalonica is the English word for it. Thessalonica is Greek. So when we're over there, our tour guide, you'll, they'll all be talking about Thessaloniki. And, you know, we, we English speakers kind of look at each other, especially if we know our Bibles. Uh, but it's, they're, they're just using the Greek name for the city. Located on the Thermaic Gulf, at the northwest corner of the Aegean Sea. So it's right up there at the top of the Aegean. Built on the foothills and slopes of Mount Kisos. Now, once again, why is it built near a mountain? 
we've been over this and over this, but why? There is a reason. Why did they build cities right there? And, and it, the answer is not because there are mountains all over there. There are. For protection. <laughs> the safety of the hills. Yep. Absolutely. Get close to a mountain. You build your Acropolis on top. You've got a place to flee. And if, if, if you've been thinking and, and uh, kind of connecting the dots, all of these cities, I mean, they're magnificent cities, but they're also places that have been fought over. You go back to uh, the Persians. And who defeated the Persians? They were from uh, up in Mesopotamia, okay? Um, who defeated them? Well, it was Alexander the Great and the, and the Greeks. And, and so there's, uh, before there was Alexander, there was Cyrus, there was... Uh, you know, Darius, you've got these Persian emperors. Um, so they, they controlled these areas before the Greeks ever did. So these are places where, where warfare happened. And, uh, and it's especially interesting when we study Berea. You're going to learn something about Berea tonight um, as far as warfare is concerned. And so, again, built near a mountain... For those of us who travel there, Greece is one of the prettiest places I've ever been to uh, because it is, it's like Italy in that there are vineyards and orchards and it's just beautiful. But then you have these mountains and then uh, these, uh, the ruins of these Greek cities, Roman cities. The city was founded 315 by Cassander of Macedon who named it after his wife, Thessalonike, daughter of Philip II of Macedon, sister of Alexander the Great. The palaces and public edifices that Cassandra erected grew Thessalonike into the most important uh, port city of his Mesa, uh, Macedonian uh, kingdom. In 168 BC, Thessalonike succumbed to Roman rule after the defeat of Perseus, the king of Macedonia. The Romans made the city an inner uh, section between two major roads, one leading from Italy eastward, the Ignatius Way, the other from the Danube River to the Aegean. Now let me just pause here for a moment, and if you want to go back and look at your map, and I don't... It's a small map. I apologize for that. But you have Italy. Remember, one of the things that caused Rome to be so powerful, it's not just their army, it is how quickly they could get their army where they needed to get their army. And all over this region, there are still Roman roads. And they're as solid and as, and as intact as when the Romans had slaves built and so you come out of Italy, you come across through Macedonia, and then straight across, and the, the major highway went through Thessaloniki, and then you'll remember that it dropped down into the region where the cities of Revelation are. And we mentioned that uh, that, that road ran right through several of those cities as it headed towards Palestine. Okay? And, and so... Uh, Thessalonica is, is part of uh, 
that. The Romans expanded the impressive monuments and architecture already in the city and turned it into a business, cultural, administrative metropolis. So those cities that were along that road, that, that's what connected everything to Rome. All right. Um, 146 BC, it was the capital and major port of the whole Roman province of Macedonia. So you really have two separate regions. Remember, Paul is down in the south, and uh, he, is, he, he wants to go certain places, and the Holy Spirit said, no, I don't want you to go there. He, he rests at night, and there's a man from Na Macedonia who says, come over and help us. Ah, now Paul gets his answer from the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> but he has to travel all the way up there. And that's when this, this mighty work of the Lord started. More churches are planted uh, up in that region. So you have the Greek city-states down below, Athens, Corinth, Ephesus, those, those powerful cities. But then clear up in the north, you have this, uh, this other region, and Thessalonica is the center of that upper region. Now let me just make a comment. We're not going to get to visit Philippi, but Philippi is further north even than Thessalonica. Philippi was a border town at the edge of the Roman Empire. Uh, here, here's a good word. Philippi was an outpost. You had troops up there, and what they were doing is they were guarding that border from, and Paul will use this word several times in his letters, from barbarians who lived north of there. Ever heard of the Goths? Okay. Uh, those who were the uh, forebears of the Germans created all kinds of problems. They're all across. You, you top of Italy, all the way over. And so it's a border town. And that's where, you'll remember, Paul and Silas were up in Philippi. They're in the region of Macedonia. Uh, they're up there. They go in. God starts to do a work. And then there's this demon-possessed girl that starts following them around town. And that's really where the trouble started. Uh, Paul's had enough. He turns and in in the name of Jesus Christ, casts out that demon. Well, now she's no of no use to those who were taking advantage of her extra power, and it was real power. Uh, they're falsely accused. They're thro thrown into prison. Uh, again, it, it, you kind of get the impression it's like the Wild West up there. Well, it's a border town. It's an outpost. Um, and I... I, I love to read that account. It, it happens in Paul's life a couple times, but they, they beat him, throw him in prison. You'll remember that night how God works. An earthquake. Uh, the Philippian jailer, who probably, remember the policing powers were Roman soldiers. Uh, you didn't have, in Rome they did have a separate police force, but not in a lot of these places. Who, who, who did the policing in Jerusalem? There was the temple guard, Caiaphas, you know, they had their soldiers, but who primarily oversaw what happened there? Pilate was what? He was a Roman ruler, but he was a soldier. And so it was, and so in Philippi, 
that jailer was probably a Roman soldier. Part of the garrison there. Beats Paul. You remember, he gets saved in his family that night after the earthquake. I love this. The next day, you have a brother who oversaw, probably oversaw the beating or did it. He said, he, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a farewell time. You know, so sorry that this happened. Thank you for leading us to Christ. And, and the rulers say you can go now. And, and, and I'm paraphrasing. And Paul says, uh, not so fast. Is it lawful to beat a Roman citizen who's not been charged with anything? He probably started shaking his knees Bing! at that point. Eyes open. <laughs> Goes to the rulers and said, I think you guys messed up. You have to realize that throughout the Roman Empire, Roman citizenship meant a great deal. Uh, we can relate to it as Americans whenever we're in another country, at least under most presidents, where if you get left behind enemy lines, you're an American, uh, they're going to do everything they can to get you out of there. Well, that's the way Rome was. If you mess with a Roman citizen, if you're another Roman citizen, You've had it. And these guys up in this border town are shaking in their boots. What have we done? Now Paul could have really pressed that issue. He lets it go because the gospel's more important. But he's not quick to leave town. Strengthens the saints. He actually stays and the, the, the first fruits in Philippi, that church, uh, that is all brought together, and then later Paul will write to them. What was what's the theme of Philippians, by the way? What is it? It's it's mentioned several times. Uh, Philippians chapter four. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Over and over. Paul is talking about rejoicing. Now he's in prison when he's writing that letter. But he's writing to Christians who knew in their very own jail that night, Paul and Silas have bloody backs, they're in stocks, and what are they doing? They're rejoicing. So, now they're facing persecution like Paul did, and he's saying to them, rejoice. Rejoice. Alright, so that, that's not even in your notes. That's all north of where we're at in Thessaloniki. Okay. In 58 BC, the brilliant Roman orator Cicero was exiled to Thessaloniki. Okay, they wanted to get him out of, out of Rome. He messed up. So where do they send him? Okay. After the Battle of Philippi, AD 42. Why would there be a battle up there? It's a border town. It's an outpost. Okay. Antony and Octavian, after winning that, declared Thessaloniki a free state, free city, I'm sorry, with all the rights and privileges pertaining thereto. And then, notice the, the timing here, Paul the Apostle visited the city, began ministry there in A.D. 50. So let's, let's turn now in our Bibles to the book of Acts. Go to chapter 17.
and this is where Bible geography, it all comes to life. Because now you can see these places on the map. We're going to look at some pictures. And it's even better when you get a good night's nice rest in this big fancy hotel and then you start walking around these ruins and you're looking at stuff going, Paul saw this. Paul was here. Verse 1. Now when they had passed through Amphilippus and uh, Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. There was a synagogue of the Jews. Now the Jews are all through this region. Heavily, uh, heavy populations of Jews in these, these different places because of the diaspora. Remember, they're driven out um, during Antiochus Epiphany's reign and they, they migrate uh, west uh, into, into these areas. Um, they migrate other places around the Fertile Crescent down into uh, Persia, Babylon, those areas. But they're here, and Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, into the synagogue, to the Jews, three Sabbath days, three weeks, reasoning with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ, who's Messiah, that's the, remember, that's the Greek word for Messiah, must needs have suffered and risen from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Messiah. And some of them believed and consorted, Okay, joined themselves with Paul and Silas, the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. Wow. This made deep inroads into Thessalonica. The who's who of the city, the Gentile leaders there, the Greeks, okay, they respond to the gospel. But the Jews. And these, these guys are nipping at Paul's heels everywhere he goes. The devout Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, looked for the thugs in town, hire them to, to go rough up the missionaries, okay? gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. So Jason is one of these who has gotten saved. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Now let's stop with verse 6. Where is Paul already ministered? And the way this, it's not really even been on purpose, but the way uh, we have looked at these cities, we've seen all these other places where Paul has been, and the mighty impact of the gospel, the Holy Spirit working through Paul. So now you're way up in Macedonia, and what are these people, what do they know? What do these Jews know and they're complaining about? It started in Jerusalem, it's gone up through Antioch, it's come all the way across Asia Minor, it's been down in the south, and now it's up in Macedonia. And what's their complaint? Everywhere these guys go, they're turning the world upside down. Now let's think about that. Whose world are they turning upside down? 
it's the Jews. They're losing major influence. Okay, so the Greeks aren't thinking, oh no, you know, unless they're convinced by, by these people, oh no, okay? They're being offered hope. Hope that the Greek gods can't give the Greeks. But now these Jews, these Judaizers, oh, they're all worked up, okay? And they create this issue. Verse 7, false claims whom Jason hath received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things, and when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea. So what's happening all through this account, they're hiding these two. They're hiding them. It's nighttime. They, they can't find them. Nobody's, Jason's not revealing. Nobody's giving them up. It's night and it's time to get out of town. So they go to Berea. And we'll see in a little bit here, a 50-mile distance. Straight, they're going to go straight uh, west. Who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. So let's, let's just pause there then. So Paul's brief but fruitful ministry here, and it was fruitful. Well, look who comes to Christ. Was cut short by unbelieving Jews who incited a riot. He was forced to leave for Berea. It seems that he sent uh, sent Timothy back to Thessalonica to look after the infant church that was there. So Paul has to get out, but remember he's got this team, and he is strategically sending them places to go back. And this is the gospel. Don't miss this. You don't leave brand new Christians without being discipled in these places. We gotta give it. What happens to a baby who's born and doesn't get fed? Nothing good. Okay? So we gotta get part of our mission team back in there to disciple them. So turn to 1 Thessalonians 3 and let's let's get uh, a hint to what we're we're talking about here. This first letter to the Thessalonians. And by the way, with this history in the book of Acts, now you need to read these letters in light of that history. Because Paul continues to reference, you remember, you know, you were there. Alright, 1 Thessalonians 3, notice the first couple verses. Whereof when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. So he's gone across to Berea, now he's gone back down to Athens. All right, we sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. That no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. Okay. What afflictions? Well, they started pretty 
pretty, I mean, right there in Thessalonica. And it's just continued uh, with Paul. When Timothy returned uh, to Paul, he brought a glowing report. Here in chapter 3, uh, notice verse 6 now. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we are comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. We're hearing what is happening up at Thessalonica. We can only be there a brief time, but we're rejoicing. In spite of the trials we're facing, we're hearing what God is doing in the church in Thessalonica. We are so excited. Would that encourage you? Remember, Paul told the Corinthians, the Lord said, I will build my church. And he is the foundation. He is building his church. And so, you know, Paul's in another place. He's, he's faced more turmoil, more persecution. And yet he's hearing these reports about what God is doing. This resulted in Paul's first letter back to this church. He's encouraged and he's going to write to him. Each of the five chapters, though, ends now with the theme. He's hearing things out of Thessalonica and he's going to address some doctrinal challenges. And here's the challenge. Each one of this, these chapters ends with a note about Jesus' second coming, which false teachers were saying had already happened. So the first letter really deals with the rapture. If you go just across the page, chapter 4, and let's look down. Um, Look at verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. That's the Greek word where we get our word rapture. Together with them, now notice he's not talking about on the earth, but where? In the clouds. Yep. Caught up here. to the clouds to meet the Lord where? Yeah, in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. There, wherefore, and I'm going to put, insert this, no matter what people are teaching there in Thessalonica, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Not what they're teaching, what I'm teaching, comfort one another. Now it's always been a puzzlement to me if I come and I say, hey, you need to know rapture's already happened. You're left behind. She has every right to look at me and say, and then what are you doing here? <laughs> I have always been puzzled by it. Everyone needs to know we got left behind. <laughs> really? What is your deal, dude? You know. What false teachers say that? Well, here's, here's what was... You did have some 
who are Gentile who get saved and then their doctrine turns. Okay? Or they profess Christ and their doctrine turns. But primarily what you had happening is, is you not only had the Jews who were Judaizers. In other words, they, they were Pharisees. They still held on to salvation by keeping the law of Moses. You had that, but you also had Jews who claim to be saved. Oh yes, Jesus is Messiah. But you also have to still keep the law of Moses. Which was errant doctrine, not true. And along with that, you had other errant doctrines that were creeping in. And sometimes just as you read through Paul's letters, look at the other things that were being said. What was the issue with the Galatians? Paul said, I, I marvel you are so soon removed from what, were, what was happening in Galatia. Remember? You will if I, if I mention it. Salvation is important, but you have to be circumcised. Remember that? Well, where did that come from? It didn't come from the, these apostles. It didn't come from Paul. And so they're mixing in their own philosophies and their own thinking with the gospel. And Ben, it could have been Jews or Gentiles, but people that probably claim to be saved, oh, I'm one of you, I'm a Christian too. And oh, by the way, and so these letters have to be written to confront and counter this false teaching. Now, again, I'm puzzled by why would you why would you go after that doctrine that the next thing the Lord's going to do on his prophetic calendar is he's promised he's going to come and take us home in the air. He's going to rapture us out. But that's... Let me put it this way. Do you think Satan's busy? Yeah, real busy. I mean, it would... What, Galatia? Thessalonica? Mm -hmm. Where's this come from? The enemy. Casting doubt, falsehood. That's that's what was happening. But the blessing is through all that, you know what you and I get in return? We get the scripture. Amen. And as Peter said, we now have everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of Christ, what he did, and then what he taught through his apostles. We have what we need. So that's 1 Thessalonians. Now after writing the first letter, Paul receives news that believers were still struggling, the Thessalonians, with the matter of the Lord's return. Though Paul had already instructed them about these things. So let's just turn over now to this second letter, what Paul wrote to them. And notice chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians 2, look at verse 5. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? Remember? The matter had to be addressed again. So Paul told them two things that must happen. 1 Thessalonians, rapture, chapter 4 mainly. 
What is 2 Thessalonians? The day of the Lord. He mentions that over. Now what is the day of the Lord? That's His coming to earth. That's the day when the inhabitants of earth realize He's Lord. And we know from Revelation, uh, some of the prophets, Ezekiel, He's going to wipe out an army in Armageddon. He's going to come over Jerusalem. He's going to set down on the Mount of Olives. He's going to split that mountain wide open. And He's going to march right into Jerusalem and take His throne. Okay? So that's the day of the Lord where He comes to earth. Not just in the clouds to take His bride away. He's coming to earth. So that's what He deals with. Paul deals with, with them in 2 Thessalonians. Now, there would be an apostasy. Okay, Two things must happen before the day of the Lord. First of all, an apostasy, which means a falling away. A falling away from biblical truth. Where people just walk away from the truth. It sobers me that, in, uh, and this is why I believe the Lord's return is very close. How many of our solid Christian families know, either within our own family or in other people's families, kids that were raised in churches like this one who have walked away from the truth? Yeah. Do you know what that is? It's apostasy. It's a falling away. So that happens. By the way, what book in the Bible defines best the apostasy? It's a very short book. Hint, one chapter. Jude. Jude. And, and where it's positioned in our New Testament, it's, it's Act 1 before you get to Revelation. Okay? The apostasy. And then Paul deals with there's a second thing that must happen. So you Thessalonians, you don't need... Well, maybe, maybe now the Lord's come, we've been left behind... And now Antichrist is ruling. If you're living in the Roman Empire, what would maybe tempt you to think that Antichrist is in control? So we can Caesar what? You say what's happening in Rome? If you were living at this time and and you're in the Roman Empire, what would tempt you to think that maybe Antichrist was already in control? Were they already putting Christians in the, the lines? They, the they were. He was. Those, those Caesars, some of those guys, were. they were going to destroy Christianity. They were going to wipe it out. Here's the other thing. The only world you know is a world controlled by Rome. There is nobody else. Controlled by Rome. And Rome continues to expand. Would you be tempted to think, oh no, the Antichrist is here. By the way, he is demanding worship, is he not? Did the Caesars not demand worship? Yep. Sure. So, yeah, maybe we are left behind. Paul's like, no, no, no. There's going to be a falling away, and then the Antichrist will be revealed. The Antichrist. Okay. 
And John's going to help a little bit later because he's going to get banished to the Isle of Patmos. He's going to write the book of Revelation and there's, the re there's everything else you need to know. And by the way, when these letters get written, who do they get sent to? Everybody. So if you're in Laodicea, you're going to get John's letter and there's part of that written right to you. But it's also being read in Ephesus and Thessalonica and it's being... I mean, copy and 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 these messengers are taking these letters to all, from the apostles all over. And every time they get a letter and they read it publicly in their assemblies, they're getting more of the picture of what the Lord has planned. Okay. And I'm running out of time here. You guys keep getting me off on these. these all right. Alright, so the second letter taught about Jesus coming in the air. The second, I'm sorry, the first one in the air, the second one teaches about his reigning on the earth. Okay. Now some of the best ruins in Thessalonica happened after Paul was gone. This is going to be post Paul's time there. However, they just continue to develop and build these cities. And these are 3D models. When we get there, we're going to get to see these things. One of the main things you will get to see in Thessalonica is the palace complex of Galerius. Now this happened after Paul's gone. Okay? But it's built on what others have been building this is the model. These are the, these are the ruins. They can follow the foundations, uh, arches. They can follow all that. We're going to be able to stand right below that massive arch. Awesome. Yep, there it is. There's, and, and they can, again, see, this isn't, I wish I could just show you picture after picture, but, but we're going to get to walk through, walk through this stuff. Alright, today very little of ancient Thessaloniki has been uncovered because the modern city, as I mentioned, sits on top of it. However, tourists will be enthralled by, travelers will be enthralled by what they can see and the ruins support the New Testament record. For example, that gate that I showed you, here's something very interesting. Don't tell me that the words in the Bible don't matter. Every word of God is pure. Here, here's an example. An inscription on that Varar gate that we looked at, that we're going to begin to stand underneath, it bears the word uh, Okay, Make sure I'm pronouncing that right. And you'll see this when, the, when Paul is writing to the Thessalonians, um, and the rulers of the city are, are writing about the Thessalonians and the rulers of the city. Uh, the, work that, the word that Luke uses in Acts of the city officials before whom Jason was brought by the mob. The politarchs. Okay? Here's what's fascinating. Do you know that that word does not appear in any other Greek literature except what they found in Thessalonica? in Thessalonica and it shows up in the book of Acts chapter 17 wow yeah 
So you'll remember in other places they called their ruling body different things. Well, here it was, the, the politarchs. And you'll see that used twice, Acts 17, and that word is used in verse 6 and verse 8. The word does not appear in any other Greek literature. Alright, so here's some of the things we're going to get to see. Amphitheaters in a lot of these cities. Not only did they have an amphitheater, but the looks of this, and I'll, again, we'll have to just get there and see, they would also use these things for contests. And lots of times you would be in an elevated place like the Colosseum in Rome where they could let uh, in uh, Bet-Shan, the, the Roman city of Bet-Shan in Israel when we were there. Tony, remember? Uh, they had a place, you know, we could stand on a look. You were high enough where the wild beasts couldn't get you, but they gladiators fought in these places. You know, all kinds of stuff happened. Entertainment. More of the archway. This still stands in Thessalonica. That's from a later date. Uh, that's Turk construction. Some of the old fortress walls, from what I showed you earlier. Um, uh, this again, this is Roman construction, and then this is one of the old churches. I like this picture because it reminds me of what we saw in the fortress of Antonia. It looks just like down in that dungeon. But you'll walk through that this is, this is one of the Byzantine churches. But again, the Roman influence, the architecture, it's all, we're going to get to see this stuff. Alright, so I just need to finish. Berea, very quickly, being positioned uh, at the base of Mount uh, Bermius, part of the Vermeo Mountains, the city had an ample supply of water and it's, for its inhabitants. It had famous orchards, Berea, modern Veria. If, if you look that up, that's the modern city, 50 miles uh, from Thessalonica. So notice where it's at. Enjoyed great prosperity under the kings of the uh, uh, Argid uh, dynasty, whose most famous member was Alexander the Great. You've heard that name before. He made it their second most important city after Pella. The city reached the height of its glory in the Hellenistic period. Uh, by the way, who was Helen? Who was Helen? Anybody know? Okay. Again, Helena, Helena uh, was Constantine's mother. She's, her, her fame is the Byzantine period uh, because she went, she went to Palestine, asked the locals after Christ, um, after uh, our Savior's ministry here was done. He was back in heaven. You still have folks that knew the Lord or part of the church in Jerusalem. Uh, he sent her over to ask where the biblical sites had happened and he, and and she had Byzantine churches, the mosaics, had them built on those very spots. That's how we know that a lot of those places in Israel are the actual places. And then the Catholics came later and built on top of the Byzantine churches. Okay. So, but, but Helena, that was, a, that was a common Greek name, uh, mothers of Greek leaders. 
the Hel Hellenism, Hellenistic, it's, it's uh, synonymous with Greek culture. Okay, so anyway, Alexander the Great made it the second most important city, reached the height of its Greek period, uh, reign of Antigonid, that dynasty. During this time, Berea minted its own coinage and held the Alexandria Games in honor of Alexander the Great. Athletes from all over Greece competed in these games. Berea. Uh, so let's just stop there. So Alexander is the emperor of the world. And how far east does he go? Does anybody know how far east does he go with his empire? It's only Spain. Spain. That's west. Oh, how, oh. That's how far east does he go? He had armies in India. Okay, pretty far. Persia and India. Where's home? Places like Thessalonica, Berea. So, at the, at the top, at the time of his greatest accomplishments conquering the world, this is home base. Okay? Uh, they reverenced Alexander. Berea, though, was the first city in the region to fall to the Romans. Now, I... My speculation on that is because everybody, you know, Alexander was such a conqueror. Well, where's home? Where's the home region? It's Berea. Mm -hmm. Okay? And so, let's make a statement. Let's conquer Berea first. And after that, by the way, Berea really becomes in, inconsequential as far as, as Rome is concerned. Okay, Paul and Silas came to Berea after they were forced to leave Thessalonica. They preached in the synagogue to the Jews. And many believed after examining the scriptures to confirm the apostolic message. So they get to Berea. And here's what we read in verses 10 and 11. The, the people of Berea were more noble because they searched the scriptures to see if what Paul was preaching is so. As a kid growing up, I always thought that the Bereans were Christians. They, saw, they searched the scriptures. We need to be like the Bereans. <laughs> In fact, not far from my home church is Berean Baptist Church. And that's okay. But who were the Bereans? They were unsaved Jews who got out the scriptures to compare what Paul was preaching to what their scripture said, and then they get saved. All right? But initially, they're searching the scriptures as lost people, lost Jews, trying to find out whether or not this guy is, is for real. When the troublemakers follow him from Thessalonica, he once again had to leave the city, though Silas and Timothy stayed longer. It's fun when you get to Acts chapter 20 that now there's a man on Paul's missionary team called Sopater. And when you read Acts 20, verse 4, guess where his hometown is? It's Berea. So Paul gets there. People get saved. Sopater probably gets saved. And then God calls him into the ministry, and now he's part of Paul's, Paul's missions team. Alright, the only, the main thing we'll see in Berea, there are other, again, important ruins there, uh, but these are steps 
Uh, and uh, from what I, and again, I haven't been there, what I have seen though is they took these steps where they believe that Paul, they're from the synagogue where Paul preached to the Bereans, and they've taken them, you see them there, there they are. And, uh, and they think that Paul stood on those steps in the synagogue to instruct about Jesus. Any questions? You've been a great class. Any questions? All right. Stay behind if you want to chat about anything. Thank you. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time and your word tonight. Thank you for the power of the gospel. Now, Lord, we have it so good because we have your word. Give safety to everyone as we head home. And Lord, uh, help us to be faithful through this week. Bless this weekend. Lord, we're just so excited to be able to fellowship together and glorify your name for the great things you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.